we open our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We completed chapter 7 last week. I remind you that we're still in the section where Moses is expanding and applying the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And you'll see a really close connection to that in the end of the chapter. Uh, this chapter is particularly... Um, um, Stylized. Uh, there are there's a lot of discussions in the commentaries that there's a real particular structure to this chapter, a chiastic uh, structure. Um, I, I won't get into all the details because I think they could kind of bog us down. But I want you to know it's particularly stylized. It's very sophisticated. I think you'll get the general feel for that as we go through it. Uh, we're going to look at the first half of Deuteronomy this morning, Deuteronomy eight, and the second half this evening. The f and there's a lot of similar language and things being said in both parts. Uh, the second part tonight will warn us not to forget God, not to forget to walk in his ways because the end is destruction, death. Uh, like the people he's about to get rid of for the life they're about to live in the promised land. Uh, but the first part today is more positively remember. Remember the Lord. Remember all that he's done. Remember he's with you and trust him. Remember uh, to continue to go to his word. Remember to keep walking with him. I'd like to read all of the chapter, uh, but we'll look at verses 1 to 10, the first half. And uh, I think very distinctively clear, you'll see that the second half will be verses 11 to, to 20. We'll look at this evening. Um, and uh, for a number of reasons, that's, that's the way we'll do it this Lord's Day. Uh, we'll look, we'll get through all of Deuteronomy 8 uh, together today. Again, let me read all of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and then verses 1 to 10. I won't read them a second time, but we'll look at a number of verses together from that section as we go through the sermon this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord, Deuteronomy 8, the entire chapter, verses 1 to 20. Again, we'll look at verses 11 to 20 this evening. Today, particularly give your attention to verses 1 to 10. Hear now the word of the Lord. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only." But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his sons, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for thy good land. May the Lord bless this, the reading and the hearing the believing and the obeying, the living of his holy word. It's 
Tonight we'll be called upon not to forget with a negative outcome. This morning we're called to remember for the positive outcome. And if you'll remember, and I'll remind you, he's already reminded us of these things. Such an important thing to recall, to, to use and engage our memory. It is such a lovely thing to remember the good old days and revive our present and future days with them. Fuller says this, memory is the treasure house of the mind, wherein the monuments thereof are kept and preserved. Basel writes, memory is the cabinet of imagination, the treasury of reason, the registry of conscience, and the council chamber of thought. Amelia B. Welby writes, As dew to the blossom and bud to the bee, as the scent to the rose, are those memories to me. Boufflers, and you'll forgive me, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that name right. It's probably French and I can't say it correctly. And I'm gathering these quotes from a book on quotes related to memory, if you gather. So I don't pretend to say his name correctly, but he writes this. Pleasure is the flower that fades. Remembrance is the lasting perfume. Johnson says... The true art of memory is the art of attention. And God calls his people to attention in this text. He's done it before. He'll continue to do it. God calls his people to remember him and to remember to keep his commandments. So they live in his abundant life. And he wants them to remember the result will be in a good abundant life. He wants that for them. And to have it, they have to remember him. And they have to remember to walk with him and keep his commandments. I give that to you as the main idea of our text today. God calls his people to remember him and to keep his commands so they live in his abundant life. There is much review in this chapter. And again, the second part tonight will will be a lot of review. Uh, John D. Curd says that chapter 8 is really the middle of chapters 6 through 11. It might be considered the theme or the focus because of that. Now remember, chapters 6 through 11 is Moses expanding upon and, and applying uh, the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so chapter 8 is the middle of that section on the first commandment. And Courage says that chapter 8's theme is this fruitfulness derives from obedience. And he also says that it, this chapter is an encouragement to obey God so that a full life of blessing will result. Of course, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And so God is putting out there really the end of the idea that we would enjoy him and enjoy life with him here. And of course, in eternity, but along the way and to do that, he needs to help us remember, remember this abundant life we have in Christ and how to enjoy it by remembering him and remembering to walk with him who has called us to follow him and not follow the world. Beloved, to bear the lovely living fruit of the Holy Spirit of Christ, remember how to walk and live in Jesus. That's the message for you this morning from the text, the application. As you'll see it in your bulletin, the title of the sermon, it's the main thing. As my professor would say, screw that one main point in your skulls that you take it with you today. Remember how to walk and live in Jesus. So I'll be taking you on a, a road here along the way to see these things and bring us to that place. But here's what I hope you'll, you and I will take with us today. Remember how to walk and live in Jesus. First of all, remember all God has done for you. Remember all God has done for you. You know, we keep journals. We, we look at history books. We have photo albums to help us remember. Remember important things in our lives. To reminisce. 
to help us remember who we are and how we should be and where we're going. We need to revisit. We need to review. And this is what God is doing in verses 3 to 5. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. Now, of course, verse 2 says, Remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember how the Lord led you those 40 years. In verse 3, And how he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. He's reviewing these 40 years. Remember what God did and why. It's a review similar to the historical prologue when God calls us to the Ten Commandments in short form and then the expansion of them now in long form uh, as a covenant peace treaty would be at those times. He starts with a preamble about that covenant relationship he's established as king with we his people. And then he gives us a long historical prologue. The Ten Commandments are the same in short form of all that he's done. All that he's done for us. Including how many times he might have done something else to us because of what we did to him. And all that he's done for us to bring us to this place. As a motivation for us to remember who he is and who we are and therefore how we're to walk with him. We need to review what he's done for us. All that he's done for us. Notice the emphasis in remembering these things is to humble us, to see how he did everything. Miraculous provision, and as you'll see in the text later tonight, because of his covenant. But even in uh, verse 1, he, he swore, he swore these things to your fathers. And we'll see the idea of that covenant again tonight. This is all in the context of the covenant. But it's to humble us and remember that he did everything. Remember a little earlier in chapter 7 he said, you're my elect. And they went on to say, not because of anything about you. Don't get cocky. Stay humble. So here again today, notice several times he wants to humble us by recognizing God is everything and we're nothing. Christ is king and we are his servants and we completely depend on him. Notice this miraculous provision over 40 years. Their clothes didn't wear out. Doesn't that sound nice? You know, I got this one shirt I love and of course I'm a man and I'm an older man now. I'm getting there anyways. I don't like to get new clothes if I don't have to. I like that same old shirt, you know what I mean? And I, but I've got all these holes wearing in it. I'm like, oh man, in a little while I'm going to have to get rid of this. And just imagine your clothes never wore out. I don't, I mean, obviously children would grow. One commentary brings up where they're hand-me-downs of the clothes that never wore out. I, I, but it's just a tremendous thing to remember. We need to remember this. When God brought them through this miraculous experience, they never, their clothes never wore out. Now, remember, they're walking through the wilderness. Yesterday, Olivia had a, a, a kind of a small graduation party here, some of her close friends, and, and, uh, and just had dinner and played games. And I was talking to one of the parents, and he's actually a chaplain. He was a pastor, the father, and he works now as a, as a Navy chaplain. And he talks about how he be, he's out a lot. And one of the things he talked about is it's exhausting to be on the ship. It's not just his work, but you're constantly working. You have to constantly be training, and, that and you have to be constantly taking care of the, the ship especially as they're older, you have to strip the paint constantly. He says, you'd be surprised how much wear and tear thou, those waves and that salt and the weather does to the ship. And you have to constantly be cleaning up and fixing it. They didn't have to do anything like that. I mean, it just, they're going through the wilderness. You can think of the sand and the wind and all these things. But because God was there and he was their cloud at day and fiber night, they didn't have any wear and tear to their clothing at least. But notice also their feet, their feet didn't swell. Boy, I would like to know what that's like at the end of a day preaching. <laughs> you know, I think many of you can appreciate that. My feet don't hurt at the end of the day. They don't swell. Imagine that. Walking through the wilderness. Put up the tent. Sit down and say, well, I could keep walking. You know, no problem. I mean, just, he just miraculously did these things. And they need to remember this. They need to remember this. They're about to go into the promised land. They're going to have to go to war. They're going to have to take over the place. They're going to be afraid. Remember, he recently taught them, don't be afraid. Remember, I've already told you I'm going to cause them to be afraid of you. He keeps reminding them of all these things. They need to remember how he took care of them in the wilderness to trust he's going to surely take care of them in the promised land. 
in chapter 29, verse 5, it even says their shoes didn't wear out. Man, you know, I get certain shoes, you know, granted, I get most of them at Goodwill, but I, I'm like so excited. And then I noticed, oh, man, it's already got a hole wearing in. I got to get rid of That's a drag. It just, you know, your favorite shoes, you never have to get, or sandals, perhaps, you never have to get, get rid of them. And I'm kind of being lighthearted about it, but isn't that a lovely, your feet didn't swell, your clothes didn't wear out, your sandals didn't wear out. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 21 he recalls the same thing he much later in redemptive history remembers the same thing for his generation that needed to remember as they need revival and they need reform and they need to stay about the work in the presence of much opposition hopefully coming to a sermon series near you pretty soon I'm still working through the commentaries uh, the introductory things but he, re he recalls the same thing that their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell Lord you did this so you could keep doing it so we have to keep remembering you and where you're taking us and that you will but notice God is saying I provided for you in ways that you and I may not think of as providing for us I tested you I proved you now that relates you can think of Proverbs 3 verse 12 as is quoted in Hebrews 12 in the New Testament 5 to 6 be thankful that God disciplines you and tests you because he's teaching you you know in the wilderness it's a adolescent stage and he's preparing them to be adults and in this case really the children are the ones that are the of the covenant uh, most of the adults are dead in the de desert because uh, they forgot more on that tonight but they're being called upon to remember the Lord and how he did all this and we are reminded to remember Proverbs 3 Hebrews 12 that God disciplines them whom he loves and so testing us and disciplining us, humbling us, making us hungry so we want the right food and all those things, causing us to depend completely on him is a mercy. It's a good thing for us to keep us from turning to the cisterns of the world and the food of the world. That is, he disciples us. He disciplines and disciples us. And he says, that's what I was doing all these years. I was testing and preparing you. Oh, you tested the Lord your God, but I turned it around and it really was testing you and preparing you. God was slowly preparing them for the promised land. Just as we saw recently, he would slowly give them the promised land as he prepared them for it. So we have a major sub-theme here in the text to remember not to trust in self-sufficiency. The main themes are remembering, do not forget, the second part tonight. And the other main theme is the wilderness compared to the promised land you're about to go in. Do not forget, remember. But there are a number of sub-themes, and one main sub-theme is not to trust in yourself. Remember not to trust in self-sufficiency, but remember to be entirely dependent upon God. To be entirely relying on Christ. You don't say I can do all things because I'm strong. Well, that's about to lead to a fall. You say I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And he reminds you to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Don't get slowed down and sidetracked by you thinking you're capable. Uh, you know, how many times do you and I do something without praying and regret it? You know, we kind of sort of think we're praying to God as we're already on our way, asking the Lord to bless us with our impatience and indignation and lack of careful thought and preparation. Shooting from the hip when we should be preparing careful hours, arrows to shoot out straight at a target that we should try to hit carefully and clearly. We have to remember to stop and pray regularly. Stop and pray. Asking for the Lord to guide our steps and bless us and remind us. Call to our memory his holy word and how he would have us do these things. And remember to get counsel from others before we would act on these things. We need to remember as we're studying off on Wednesday nights. We need to remember so often to stop and say, lead me not into temptation. But deliver me from evil. Beloved, you need to remember James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 
Remember Romans 8 verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Remember these promises. Remember also a little bit earlier, Romans 8, 28. We often fondly recall God does all things to the good of them that love him and are called to his purpose. If we could remember that more, we would handle them better, wouldn't we? But we so often don't stop to remember God is using this for my good and surely for the good of others. Guide me, Lord, to make good of it and to do good with it. Remember all God did for you so that you remember all God will do for you. So you remember God is always present and providing. So you remember to completely trust in God for all things. Remember all God has done for you. So you remember to completely trust in God for all things. We often make a special place for our photos and for our books, for our framed art, or maybe I should say for our screensavers these days, to keep them in front of mind, to keep them before us because we like to remember and recall and remember those people whose pictures are there. And we bring things we are cooking to the front burner. So we keep them to the top of mind and we remember to keep stirring. And this is what the Lord would have us do, that we would remember to completely trust in him by bringing him always to the forefront of our mind. Look at verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. And all those things the Lord did, which is to say, you shall remember God. Just as the Lord Jesus says, take the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. Remember all I've done for you to save you. Remember me, your Savior. Now, verse 18, we'll look at tonight, but it has this positive aspect as well. And really, I think the main emphasis of the idea of remembering what the Lord did Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. That's the real thing here, to remember the giver, not just the gift. The gifts are to remind you to remember the giver. And now also look at verse 10, that we would ultimately do what is our chief end. Remember your chief end. Verse 10, when thou hast eaten and are full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Bless the Lord thy God. Remember the Lord thy God by remembering all he's done, that you would remember to bless the Lord thy God and not be the nine lepers that don't remember to come and thank him as Jesus highlights the one who does remember to bless and praise the Lord I, I so appreciate Matthew Henry's book on prayer one of the things he does is he has a prayer to pray after you've had a meal not just before but after isn't that a great thought that we wouldn't be devouring our meat like they did the quails in the desert like little Tasmanian devils but that we'd eat with thankfulness and praise and fellowship and afterwards say, ah, I am filled and I've, en I've enjoyed a competent portion of the good things of this life. And oh, Lord, I've enjoyed your presence in fellowship in eating this together, remembering it's from your hand, just as the shorter catechism teaches us to pray. And I think pray afterwards, give us this day our daily bread. Notice the emphasis is on the heart. I'm going to try your heart to know your heart. I'm going to try your heart that you will know your heart. And the way he does this is by working it by remembering. Again, a main theme in contrast to forgetting, which is the second half of this chapter we'll look at tonight. P.C. Craigie writes this, focusing on remembering. The act of remembering prompts obedience to the covenant law for it brings to the forefront of the mind the reality and faithfulness of God remember the Lord thy God verse 18 Keep at the forefront of your thinking all the Lord has done so you remember to keep trusting him 
remembering all those difficult providences, some of what he's allowed you to see, the weaving of behind the scenes to see how, well, I see how he worked that out to my good. I wouldn't have chosen it any other way. Didn't like it at the time. Remember, remember to see these things. Remember him and that he's doing these things. Remember his promises and why he does these things. Remember the what and the why is for your good. Look at verse 16, the second part, which we'll look more at tonight. That he might humble thee and that he might prove thee why to do thee good at the latter end. His intent is always for your good. You know, we say that to our children. They don't like the discipline. They don't like the nose. They don't like the redirection. Sometimes we can say yes after we've guided them with all the other things to get to want the right thing. But we say, this is for your own good. You have to trust me. I'm your father. I'm your mother. And I know what's good for you. No, you cannot eat candy for dinner. You must eat your broccoli. And we give them some other nice things to wash it down with, you know. But uh, thankfully, broccoli has never been an issue for my kids. It has been for me. I didn't eat broccoli most of my life. I do now because it's so good for you. But, you know, you have to eat the good stuff, too. And a lot of what we're doing you don't think is good for you, but you learn later it is good for you. It was best for you. And you have to trust God's intent towards you. Again, Romans eight twenty eight, as he's sharing here. Remember how that all worked out for your good. I was training you. I was developing you. I was teaching to look at your own heart and bury your soul before me and have it born before yourself and all the people. Now, one thing as a, as a little disclaimer, qualification here, I think is helpful. What does it mean that God tests you so that he would know your heart? Doesn't God know our hearts? Of course he does. Does God need to learn or know something? Is something hid from God? No. Uh, Jay Ritterboss explains this well. I'll just pass it on to you in passing. Uh, this is anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic. It's something that's spoken as if God is man, but he's really not in a way that we can understand. He says, to bring out into the open that which is hidden. So it's, re it's, it's really more about, again, that they, that we would know our hearts. But I think in a sense of before all, before God, and then, of course, within you and within me for today and for tomorrow. Remembering it's all about the heart. Christ talks about that all the time. It's the heart is where it's all coming from. So, beloved, examine your hearts. And may you always remember to say for yourself, from your heart, and together with our hearts united, Psalm 20, verse 7, as you sang this morning. Some trust in chariots, and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And when you're depressed, and most in danger of going somewhere else to a false god, Always recall Psalm 42, verses 4 and 6. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude, and I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee. Remember, it says elsewhere, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Remember, he says to Abraham, I am thy exceeding great reward. Remember, Psalm 73 says, and this was a great encouragement to review. Uh, I go to it every time with our sister, Ms. Friary. I don't need anyone in heaven or on earth but you. You alone are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And it was good that I drew near to God. Also remember what he tells you to remember earlier. Chapter 5, 15. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And I brought you out of that. Chapter 7, verse 18. Remember I set you free from Pharaoh who would be God to you. So that you remember I set you free unto me, the only true God. 
and be your God. And you walk in the law of liberty and life and freedom and truth. So that you can face your fears and continue to walk with God in his ways. Remember to walk with the Lord always. Remember all God has done for you. Remember to completely trust in God for all things so that you remember to walk with the Lord always. You know, we look at these signs on the road to remind us where we're going, where we've been and we want to go back to. I rely quite a bit on the recent places on my smarty pants phone because I need help to get back. And that's where I want to get again. I don't want to go somewhere else. I need to get there. And I need these signs and these ways to help me remember to keep going the same and best ways to get somewhere with someone, to someone. That we prefer to take the trip with the same travel partners with whom we are familiar and who are familiar with us and the same route to take us. It's also for the good company and the good fellowship, the good life. Where, how, with whom we remember to walk. We're called upon to remember to walk with God, to walk with Jesus. And that is a way that is walking against the flow of the world. It will always be uphill, so to speak. Not in terms of earning something, but not being turned around and drawn away by something else. So... God with his word and by his spirit. Remember Psalm 119 verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. That's that idea of storing and remembering and revisiting. Or a little bit earlier, Psalm 119 verse 105. Remember, beloved, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path that you would walk the narrow way the narrow path and we're called upon to walk verse 6 therefore thou shalt keep thy commandments of the Lord excuse me thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him well that idea of fear has been revisited already in Deuteronomy and it will again and that's the idea of a desire to please him and not disappoint him to want to be close and revere his name before the world and we're called upon to walk his ways. And that's the heart of the matter. Uh, John Curd points out verse 6 is really the heart of the matter. Walk with the Lord according to his ways in the fear of the Lord. That's what we're being called to. It's a way of life. And as we'll see in a moment, to enjoy the good life, the abundant life in Christ. Walking keeping fearing God by keeping his commandments is a regular refrain so that we remember it's just constantly coming up keep his commandments keep all his commandments keep all his commandments keep all his commandments and we need to constantly be reminded to remember to keep all his commandments everything that Jesus has commanded us to do the great commission the end of Matthew we need to remember 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 and we're tested so that we do. Uh, J.G. McConville points out that these testings that God's referring to positively relate to habit of life and faith. That's the walk. That's the way you walk. It's, it's a gate. It's the, it's the way we are. It's a, the, the, the habit of life and faith. Our lifestyle is what God is calling to us. A lifestyle of walking with Jesus and not against him. Which is to walk the way he says to live and not in the footsteps and in the ways of the world. It's to follow Jesus and not follow Satan. Remembering him masquerades as an angel of light. But as we'll be reminded tonight, ultimately to devour as a lion. May you remember this. May you remember to keep his commandments. May you remember the way you are to walk. You remember the way the Lord has been leading you so that you remember the Lord is always with you and you always remember him and how you are to always be walking with him. Verse one, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. 
verse 2. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. Verse 6. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. That's the, really the, one of the main themes, a call upon our walk of life, to remember how we are to walk with the Lord our God, never turning someone else, but always remembering to walk with him. And that is a certain kind of walk according to his word and by his spirit in Christ, not outside of him, by remembering all that he's already done for us along this walk that we would continue that walk but it looks like keeping his commandments this is why we read Exodus 20 and then the next Lord's Day Deuteronomy 5 every week in morning worship remember even the command to keep the Sabbath remember the Sabbath to keep it holy beloved may you remember which way you are to walk and with whom and remember Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Notice that. That will lead to the last thing we'll consider. You will find rest for your souls. Jesus tells you to follow him. And he also says, all of you who come to me, I'll give you my rest. Remember Philippians 3.16, as is on the top of the left part of the inside of your bulletin every week, well before I was ever here. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. When people would call upon you to go a different direction, you remember what way you are to stay on. Galatians 5, 16 and 25. Remember, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. And if you'll allow me... You might remember a long time ago, that was the theme of, of our older logo and brand statement. And a long time when you first had us at family camp before we flew back to Pittsburgh, that back out, we studied this text. And if you'll remember, it's actually a chiasm as well in the Greek. I think it comes to mind a little bit because our chapter is a bit of a chiastic structure today. Here's how it is more literally in the Greek. If, uh, excuse me, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If we live in the spirit, in the spirit, let us also walk. That's the more literal because it's a chaotic structure. The emphasis on walk. For the spirit of Christ is life and blessing with good fruit. His good fruit also in chapter five within bearing without. Remember, what are the fruits of the spirit? Let's select a few. Love, joy, peace. Temperance, you know, self-control, need a little bit more of that? Well, walk in the Spirit. Walk with the Lord the way He commands. Remember that to walk with Jesus is to have and live life. Remember all God has done for you so that you remember to completely trust in God for all things so that you remember to walk with the Lord always so that you remember that to walk with Jesus is to have life and to live life. Psalm 1 verses 1 to 3. Two kinds of walks are commented upon. It opens with remembering how to walk so that you have that kind of life. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now, before I continue, I want to remind you, we sing the Psalms. Psalm 1 is very much like Psalm 2. Psalm 2 is kind of setting up the rest of the Psalter. Whose king will yours be? May it be the Messiah, Jesus Christ, because in the end, life is in him. Death is outside of him, and he's the executioner of the death. But Psalm 1 is similar. It sets up the rest of this altar. Which way are you going to walk? With whom are you going to walk? And ultimately, therefore, what kind of life are you going to have to live in a legacy to pass on? For instance, if you walk with those who are not in the law of the Lord... The end is, the psalm says, dust in the wind. <laughs> but if you remember to walk in the Lord, this is what it says next. Here's what it'll be like. And this is the point God's driving home. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That's one of the encouragements given to us in the revelation to hold fast and overcome in Christ. We'll drink and stand and wade in the waters of life. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whosoever he doeth, excuse me, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Remember, even in the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment, honor your father and mother, which is ultimately to honor your father who delegates authority to them, as well as all other authorities over us in church and state. The promise is long life, good long life in the land. Paul reiterates this in Ephesians 6 to children to, how, to submit to their parents. It's just going to be a better life for you. Look at the, first, uh, the second part of verse 1. Do these things, why? Do all of God's commands, why? Just like every father wants for his children. That ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. You're about to go into the promised land that you'll go in and live there and enjoy it and multiply and prosper. It's appeal to a good life to live by living it good. And this is the same thing that we've already seen in chapter 4, verse 1, chapter 5, 32 to 33, chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. A call to remember your walk with God, how to walk, so that your life is a good life, that you enjoy his blessings. To walk with God by keeping his commandments is to live a good life and thus enjoy the good life. Well, the world is lying to you about having the good life. And they say the only way you get that is walking against God in the ways of the world. But it isn't the good life. It's not the good life to live. And many of them will prove that to you by how their family life is destroyed. And they often take their own lives prematurely. The good life is to be had only in living the good life God has given us, the good way of life. Again, with the disclaimer, we do not earn it, but it's the way to enjoy it. To walk with God, keeping his commandments for God's glory and for your own good. Look ahead to verse 16, the latter part. Why does he test you again? Why did he do all these things with you? To do the good. To do the good at the latter end. You and I have to trust the Lord always has our best good as his intention. Which is ultimately heaven itself in Christ. Which is why he's always calling us not to walk with the world, but to walk with Christ. And that phrase, at the latter end, to do you good at the latter end. J.G. McConville explains the Hebrew for that phrase, at the latter end, is referring not merely to the end of the journey to the land, but also to the idea of a final condition or destiny. This end is more than a point on a time scale, rather a goal reached. Or we could say a chief end fulfilled. And of course, that is living your best life now, if I may put it that way. Verses 7 to 10, 
It's a good land he's bringing us into. Now, remember, the promised land is a type of heaven, and it is in contrast to the wilderness he's brought them through. God is bringing you through the wilderness of this world into the good land of heaven, heaven and earth redeemed and renewed. Look at verse 3, the second part, and this is, a, this is one to definitely highlight. That he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And this is related to why he gave them manna from heaven. He made them hungry on earth so that they would seek all food from God in heaven. They still had a physical need, but that they would seek it from God in heaven and not from themselves and from the world. He's, he was training them and teaching them, trust me to provide and wait for it. That includes every word he commands about how to eat and live. Now you recall, this is what Jesus quotes in Matthew 4, verse 4. Also Luke 4, verse 4. No, 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 I'm not going to turn those stones into bread. Haven't you heard? Man doesn't live, and he quotes this verse, by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. So God makes us hungry so that we turn to him and remember to rely only on him. And that's the best life. And remembering that Jesus in verse 11, God sent angels to minister to him and feed him. Jesus trusted the truth and God would provide for him spiritually and physically. But we start with keeping our eyes on God and feeding from him, opening our mouths wide as the psalm speaks, trusting he will fill us. He'll give us the finest of wheat. Don't settle for things of the world. Wait, trust his word, trust all of his word, obey all of his word, what often means have faith. Wait for it. Believe God will show up, he will sustain you, and he will deliver you. Don't give in prematurely. Remember all that God has said. Remember to trust him. Remember how Jesus did that as the perfect one for us to have heaven, but also as our example along our way on our pilgrimage on this earth. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God that covers the physical and the spiritual. Trusting God will provide through all things as we totally rely on him. And again, we want to remember the story in Exodus when God gives this, this testing uh, with the manna. He gives the manna, but he also gives some restrictions and rules, right? Gather as much as you want every day. Don't save anything till the morning. It'll be worms if you do. Right? And uh, gabble, gather double on the day before the Sabbath. Do not gather anything on the Sabbath. I won't give you anything then. And that was a test, particularly related to the Sabbath, which we are to remember. But we're, notice that test of you got to trust that I will feed you. However it might look, I will feed you. Meredith Klein explains, the manna taught them the vital truth that they are not self-sufficient and need daily and heavenly bread. Beloved, as much as this is a reminder from the word of God to trust he'll feed your mouths and bodies, remember you need to feed your souls with the word of God daily. Of course, don't miss that. He reminds us that the testing was specific to how they would prepare for and keep the Sabbath day. Thus, he says, the manna taught Israel that only as man stands obediently under his Lord's sovereign word, verse 6, the ultimate source of life, does he find true and lasting life. And of course, remember, what is this ultimately pointing to? The Gospel of John teaches us that Jesus is the manna from heaven. He's the true manna from heaven. He is the bread of life. And we must feed on him alone for everlasting life and how to live it along the way. Remember this lesson. Uh, Jay Ritterboss says the Lord wanted to teach Israel to trust not in anything created, but only in the creator. 
And so the manna from heaven teaches us this, as it also teaches us to trust only in Jesus Christ, who at the beginning of the Gospel of John, we know is the creator. Live on God for everything. Eat his word daily. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. He says to follow him. And that when you follow his narrow way, it leads to life. Where you begin life as born-again Christians, and where you build your life upon it. Like a house on the rock, as he says, doing what it says, so when the storms come in, it survives, and through life, it thrives. Remember the sermon on Deuteronomy 7, verses 9 to 11. Love God and keep his commandments. Remember the sermon on Deuteronomy 7, verses 12 to 15. The Lord will bless your obedience. And he gives a comparison there in which one to choose, as essentially is done in long form in this chapter. Remember these things. Remember he said he came to give you life and that you would live it abundantly. This is the way. To do this, you remember to trust completely in his perfect life on your behalf, and you remember how to live it out in him by recalling all these things. Remember all God has done for you. Remember to completely trust in God for all things. Remember to walk with the Lord always. Remember that to walk with Jesus is to have and live life. And so, beloved... Remember what I told you at the beginning. Here is the point of the sermon. Remember how to walk and live in Jesus. Remember how to walk and live in Jesus. And as God is showing us, repetition is very important to remember. Let me say it one more time. Not only for you, but for myself. Remember... How to walk and live in Jesus. Let us pray. Oh Lord Jesus, help us to remember you, the author and finisher of our faith in our pilgrimage through this world as citizens of the kingdom of heaven and the celestial city. And we pray indeed you help us, including with the supper, to remember you, to remember what you've done for us, that you've delivered us from hell unto you in service of you forever in heaven. And thus let that impact our walk along the way with Christ alone, in whose name we pray for the glory of God.